0: My manager's cool, he gets concerned, he says,
1: Mitch, don't use liquor as a crutch. I can't use liquor as a crutch, because a crutch helps me walk. Liquor
0: severely screws up the way I walk. It ain't like a crutch, it's like a step I didn't see.
2: My name is Steve Miggs. Top Shelf is not with us this week. He refuses to work on Wednesdays. <laughs> it's a religious thing. Don't question it. So we've got the Mighty Reverend Fuego. Good day. And everybody's favorite, <laughs> Mono Nick. Hello. 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 Any chance to play some Mitch Hedberg? And I at love the time, it. I didn't even know that it would actually fit into the theme of this segment. And we'll get into that and the alcohol and all that craziness. But first. The Jam of the Week is a man who we will have on the podcast in a few minutes. It's Chris Cornell. It's his new solo record, Higher Truth, which I highly recommend. Maybe you should call Ooh. it Highly Recommended by Steve. <laughs> Song's my favorite one <laughs> off of the record. It's called Before We Disappear, Chris Cornell, Jam of the Week.
1: Time ain't nothing if it ain't fast. Taking the a-
2: I uh, picked up this record and I knew I was. Oh, Ryan Castle, would you like to interview Chris Cornell? And I'm like, no, pay me. No, oh, absolutely. I was already listening to the record and this is, I think, the fourth song on the record. And as soon as it started and when the drums kicked in, I was just like, oh boy. And then that chorus. Yeah. I'm not a guy who pays attention to words a lot, but maybe it's not a good one to play for like your wife, future wife, or. But I don't know. I was kind of thinking maybe it would be. I don't know. That's the thing. It's like it could take on, and I love songs that could be two different meanings, but like how hard would would it be to spend your life with me?
3: Yeah. Th- that would be like, seriously, as soon as it was playing, it was going like this right now. It's just like, this would be a good wedding song. I know. That's and what, what I was th- thinking. And maybe it's just because I've got wedding on the brain. Hell yeah. It's, there's a lot of things where I'm like, oh, that would be a good wedding song.
2: But some will interpret it and be like, that's
3: beautiful. Others
2: will be like. Which one is miserable in this marriage? Yeah, yeah. Because then it's like, how hard would it be to rise up with me or ri- wake up with me in the mornings? You know? And it's like, whoa. It's like, man, that could be a great breakup song or a great... This Get relationship together and this, this is, is going to be awesome. forever. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. That's what I love about Cornell and his lyrics, man. It's like... And we talk a little bit about it in the interview and I bring up this song and it was kind of cool. His reaction was very like, I'm glad that you paid attention kind of a moment. And I always love those moments when I we do interviews with artists and, and they realize that, I don't know, I, I didn't do my homework, but like I gave a crap.
3: Yeah, at least well. you... Paid enough attention to the stuff that they're putting yeah. out there right now, right? And it's not just oh, so who did you bang this time, or you right. know the TMZ oh. crap. You're actually paying attention to their art. Yeah,
2: yeah, and, I, and, I, and that's the part that I always enjoy. And it was it was funny, and you know, the, the whole backstory. So they're like, okay, well, you could be there at seven o'clock at Benaroya Hall to do this interview. And it was a reason why we didn't do the podcast yesterday. Is I I'll, I'll, I'll probably spend more time on the mega cast talking about this just because we're slow. I don't have much time today, and I don't have anything else to talk about on the Megacast, (laughs) so I need something. Uh, But I got to do a really cool event. At uh, Joint Base lewis McCord, they asked a few of us, former Seahawks and myself, which was kind of awesome. I got lumped in with like Joe Tafoya, oh, Jordan Babino, wow. Norm Johnson, a few other guys Norm. as well. Wow. Yeah, dude. got to watch Norm shoot some rifles, which was cool. Whoa. But they're like, hey, could you come down to Joint Base lewis McCord? We're doing this thing where we want to help um, raise the spirits of some of the, the soldiers, especially the ones that are suffering from PTSD. Oh, and I dude, was like, that
3: is amazing. Like, yeah,
2: 100%. What an and, honor. It, dude, it was. And uh, Reggie Jones... From for those of you New Orleans Saints fans, he was on the Super Bowl winning team. He gave a speech that just like he even set it off by saying, I'm sure you guys are thinking, what do I why should I be speaking in front of you guys? What have I done in my life that would be relatable to you? And he shared an, an insanely powerful story about walking in on his mom, uh taking out like shooting her dad, his dad. Whoa. And and he's like, you know, granted, I'm not in the military, but I, I grew up on a military base, actually JBLM, because okay, he's from okay. Kent. And he's like, you know, my life went down a crazy spiral because I lost both of my parents. One, I lost in a very serious, like in a Mm -hmm. forever way. And the other one went to jail. Yeah. And I had a choice of either breaking that cycle and changing my world. And and, and it has such a great piece of information, just like, you know, life is full of hurdles, but that's what they are. They're meant to be jumped over and move forward and... It was just like he's speaking and I know he's speaking for the military, but man, as a human being, I'm like sitting there and I'm 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 tracking. I'm feeling yeah, what he's yeah. saying. Uh so it was and and again, like they brought us there to help build their morale. And I, I swear hundred percent confidence that everybody you asked that went there, it was the other way around. Being around those guys built our morale. Uh, they were so appreciative, so cool. I met a lot of great rockaholics, guys that listen to the show, listen to the podcast. and it was awesome, It was man. an amazing experience, and that's why I wasn't able to do the podcast yesterday. Uh, and then right after that, I got done around like five, hightailed it to Seattle, and was like, oh, man, getting to interview Chris Cornell at 7 yeah, p.m.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: I was like, uh, and I had stuff in my head, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to a bar before the interview and map out what I want to oh, say. I was
3: going to say, uh, get a little liquid courage and uh, un-, un-, un- I guess, unnerve yourself? You know,
2: oddly enough, though, I wasn't planning on it, but then Castle shows up and a couple oh, okay. of shots, Yeah, well, that's a couple of porters.
3: Yeah, that's just Castle being an enabler there. Yeah, so I mean, I, was, I, I wasn't I was <laughs> drunk,
2: but I definitely was loosened up before the interview. Mm-hmm. But while I was waiting by myself and I ate some dinner and I'm sitting at the bar, I grabbed the coaster and was writing my notes on the coaster. And we were all, <laughs> Castle's dying. He's like, you have to show that to Chris Cornell. So that's you'll hear amazing. it in the interview when, we, when it starts off. But I get over there and I'm like, not. You know I'm nervous, I meet a security guard His security guard was great, this big, just scary dude But I found out he's (laughs) from New Jersey, he's a Devils fan Oh, there you go, broin' down He's also a Nets fan, I said, hey, my first autograph ever Was Chocolate Thunder, Daryl Dawkins And he looks at me and goes, bro, that's my cousin I'm like, what?
3: "What?" Wow! It's like,
2: I used to play ball with him all the time I'm like, are you kidding me? So he loved me after that Because, like, you know, he's like, that's so crazy That you are a fan of of Daryl Dawkins I'm like, he was my favorite basketball player as a kid Mainly because he was the only guy I ever had an autograph of. So, of course, I'm going to love the guy. <laughs> um, interview goes, I go in there, and the interview, it was so nerve wracking because you just walk into this dressing room, and it's just Chris Cornell, the set list, and a guitar, and he's just working out stuff.
0: Oh, and man. Like, it's like, yeah, how do you even broach that situation? I mean, he knows that you're showing up to right. do this interview, but you you're hope like, he knows. You un- walk
3: un- in, yeah. he's like, uh, I don't have anyone planned on coming in here, but oh god, uh, it oh, was oh,
2: oh god, it was it was very overwhelming. Cause I'm like nervous as it is. Um, also, I'm like crap, man. I maybe shouldn't have had two shots before I made my way down here. <laughs> or the porters, or the porters. <laughs> Just leaving that out, that's part of my dinner, man. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, what am I gonna do? Um, and and I'm like, I almost wanted to apologize. Like, I'm sorry, I'm in here. But man, Cornell is not like Mister. Hey, come in. Let's 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 cut it up and be funny. He's
0: typical Seattle, like standoffish. Like no. I'll let you come in, but I'm gonna be kind of like pierce your eyes or... for a second.
2: Yeah, but the minute you get in there, and the minute before, he could not be more welcoming without being like overboard. Does yeah, that so he's, sense? Not, he's
3: not like a big old bro hug, but he's sitting there, right. and it's you're suddenly put at ease.
2: You, you felt like you were in a real moment. Like, okay, the, yeah, yeah. The, I don't think I could describe Cornell any other way than being just real. He's not going to go out of his way to play a game and be a character for you. That's cool. But he's also not going to go out of his way to be too cool for school. Right. He's just going to be probably no different than it would be if I met him at a bar, and I wasn't writing notes on a coaster, and I was just having a conversation with him. It was that kind of a vibe. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of preface that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And originally they said, hey, you only have a couple of minutes with the guy. Um, and the management told me that the, everybody told me that it's 15 minutes later and they're finally like alright probably you gotta get going and as I'm leaving I'm like I get why they were wrapping it up who's waiting outside for me to be done with my interview Jeff Amen from Pearl Jam nice so the security guards escorting me out and Jeff's like hey man that was fun playing football and the guy's like you played football. I'm like, yeah, we played football on CenturyLink Field. No big deal. That's just what we do. Man, <laughs> these guys man. know me, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs>
2: dude. It's all like <sighs> interviewing Chris Cornell. Jeff Ament remembers me. Like, these are not things that ever I thought would ever happen in and, my life. And
3: you've done some cool things. You've been around in Seattle and done radio here for yeah. 17, 18 years.
2: Since ninety, late 97, yeah. So, yeah,
3: you've been doing it for a long enough time where you've had those experiences. And it's so cool to actually see you just totally geeking out oh, yeah. about this stuff still. If you look at and some people
2: pointed out on my, the picture I posted on KSW's Facebook page. like You look like a giddy schoolgirl. And my only response was, yes, <laughs> I was yeah. a giddy schoolgirl because I was... I'm always excited to meet Chris talk to Chris Cornell, but I was so pumped that the interview went well. Like it was Yeah. So you know what, why don't we just do it? Um the the show was amazing. He played songs from all of the bands he's ever been a part of really? and more. He solo stuff. Temple of the Dog, Soundgarden, Audio Slave, even did uh, Mad Season's River of the Seat, which was amazing. Whoa. Posted the full video on KSW's Facebook page. Covered it's, Dylan. It's worth a watch. Did thank you. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I sent it to Craig Gash. He's like, Did you know that's my favorite song of all time? I'm like, No, but I figured you'd like it because your buddy's with McCree. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. <laughs> that, that's cool. And he's like, Can you send did you record Temple uh, the Temple of the Dog song too? I'm like, actually I did. And I don't always I usually <laughs> record like a minute video. Yeah. Those are the first two times where I've actually recorded the full song because I was like, this is too special not to share it with everybody. Yeah. You had great cool. seats too, bro. Dude, we were I mean we wow, were wrong- looking
3: at the location of these videos I can't yeah. play the videos on this computer but just like wow yeah you are close we were one row back and over from and I'm
2: not kidding you sitting pretty much right in front of us was Stone Gozzard Jeff amen and Matt Cameron all together Jeez. behind them was Kim Thale and a little bit over was Barrett Martin from Screaming Trees. Wow. And I guess Ben Shepherd was there too. I didn't see him, but it was it it's was hard not to notice
3: him, man. He's like gigantic.
2: I know, <laughs> but it was dark, but it was so like it was such a Seattle thing and it and it, it confirmed my oh, I've always had this opinion that Chris Cornell is kind of the glue of that scene. He kind of brought everybody together. You watch Pearl Jam's 20, you realize how important he was to Pearl Jam. Yeah, definitely. Right. And, and and it was very evident by the love that those guys showed by A showing up and B they were standing up and giving standing ovations just like everybody else mm-hmm. like the rest of us they were not acting like they were better than anybody. Not that they ever do, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It was it's amazing. Like
3: they weren't acting like they were too cool either. No,
2: no. They were enjoying it and it was just like, man, Chris Cornell is a special individual. I know I'm going a little gaga over him, but Dude, he is.
3: one of one of the most influential concerts I think I ever went to was Mercer Arena Soundgarden. They had to cancel it, uh, postpone it, and then two weeks later they did it. Um, but he broke down and he did a solo version, acoustic version of Black Hole Sun. Uh-huh. And it was just the most it was so insane. It was just like wow and then we got a chance to go to the speakeasy a couple years back yeah with him and ben and it was that same thing it's just oh yeah the manor palace place, yeah whatever, Astor yeah. manor Ast- oh, yeah whatever yeah the, <laughs> the place the, that was the, fancy yeah the place that had the uh the, the whole venue behind the uh the bookshelf yes <laughs> but seeing him live and just doing acoustic stuff it's just it's it's so amazing it just yeah. really is
2: and then those two songs hunger strike and river of the seat mike mccready was up there playing guitar with Jeez. him. And just yeah, to add to the amazing moment.
3: Yeah, and it, like, there's a bunch of videos on the KSW page, too, or on the Facebook yeah. page, so, man.
2: He did a cover of uh, Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> did Thank You by Led Zeppelin. I've heard that cover done before, too. It's he good. rocks it, man. He does, <laughs> yeah. Man. Everything about it was amazing. So why don't we uh, listen to Chris Cornell, myself and him hanging out backstage in his little green room, <laughs> honestly, like about an hour before he took the stage. It's a lot of fun. So here's... Uh, Chris Cornell on the MIGScast. We are backstage hanging out with Chris Cornell. Hello, Chris.
1: Hi, how are you? I'm,
2: I'm doing great. Um, I don't want you to get thrown off. I wrote my notes on a beer coaster, but that doesn't mean I was boozing. Okay. Uh,
1: I was just distracted by your tattoos anyway.
2: <laughs> okay. Any of them that are sticking out for you? Or? I don't
1: know. So the, the, uh, the first thing I saw was like the simplest one that's just the circle with little lines on it. You know. that was my old band's
2: logo It was uh, a halo
1: uh-huh I, I guess it looks it looks kind of cool to see the, the primitive looking thing in the middle of <laughs> what well, looks like someone like had a lot of years of experience and expertise to pull off yeah what is that because I see the sort of legs and high heels Is that Ziggy Stardust or something it, is it, or it, or is it just... it's a girl playing a tambourine oh I see <laughs> okay.
2: it represents uh playing the drums for me I know you play drums for many many years and yeah so that was like my really not so subtle way of, of, of showing love towards what I love to do is play the drums
1: uh-huh. yeah. cool do you have any tattoos Um, I have one but it's sort of hard to get to I can't really can't really show it now it's here yeah, I guess you can You could
2: be like I remember one time I was at a PetSmart And a guy saw all my tattoos And I don't know If you have that happen Where someone sees your tattoo And like, let me
1: show you my tattoos yeah, That and hasn't happened to me really Because I only have one And no. it's usually covered Well, You can, you know, rock the tank top You never know uh, Yeah Then they might go I like your tank top You know, I, look at my tank top <laughs> Well, the guy we're, took his sh- We like each other We wear tank tops and Yeah, I know
2: the guy took his shirt off in the middle of PetSmart. It was very awkward, and it was an awful tattoo. And I had to just look at it, and I'm like, ah, nice job, buddy.
1: Do you ever watch, like, the tattoo TV show?
2: Uh, I've watched a bunch of them, like the ones where they, like, fix up the tattoos,
1: and uh, the one with Dave Navarro. Yeah, a- the, the, the one I'm talking about is the one with Dave Navarro, what? where, yeah. like, it, it started out, it was, like, um you know, it, it was kinder and now like the last time last couple times I've seen it it's the whole show is basically them just ripping into the tattoo artists and uh, all that's fine and it's sort of a contest and it's kind of I guess a high stakes contest but what ends up happening is you've got like the person that just got their tattoo sitting there listening to tattoo judges tell the guy that just gave them the tattoo how awful it is right which is seems kind of funny I mean I guess it's for
2: but it's a permanent piece of art, and it's like I get it—you got a free tattoo, but you want it to be good.
1: Yeah, the, I don't think anybody wants a tattoo for free if if, if they regret it. it. Actually, costs money to remove it, so
2: and uh, and it's super painful.
1: Yeah, maybe they could do like a TV show where it's you get your tattoo removed for free, and then they judge how well the removal goes.
2: I have a buddy, my my actually my tattoo artist Tony Mitchell, and uh, he is getting tattoos removed from his arm so he can get a blank slate and start over again, which I thought I give you all the respect in the world because it seems like you're going to go through a lot of pain just to add new art to your body.
1: Yeah, you could probably just get, like, you know, boutique T-shirts or, like, you know, get long-sleeve white shirts and just write cool stuff on them and then you can do that all the time as long as you live and just... Keep... And just change it out depending on your mood, yeah. Yeah. Because you can't... The, the argument for sort of... Perm, somewhat permanence for a tattoo is that goes away if you're someone that goes and gets them removed. Right. So it's like, how much does it really mean to you if the last round just got removed? Hundred
2: percent. Yeah. Uh, good or good or bad? I, I every tattoo for me. Me and what? What does your tattoo mean to you?
1: Well, this this tattoo is is like an ode to love, um, for love to my wife Vicky. And so, and it, it's around the time that I married her, and I remember like driving in the car and th- and thinking about what it would look like, and having to ask her how uh, ha- how to spell forever in Greek letters in Greek, and then hoping that that was actually right. And then,
2: yeah, you don't want that angry tattoo artist that writes yeah. like you know he writes hamburger instead or something.
1: Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> I, yeah, I just wanted to make sure it was right, and uh, and then. And then taking something that I drew what that I liked and and then giving it to someone I had never met before to, and, and to put it. on my arm was a little bit, whoa. Like that the, that experience was a little bit.
2: Were you guys married when you got the tattoo or was it before you guys got married?
1: It was before we got married.
2: Were you, were you at all nervous? Because I, I have a tattoo, this silhouette of, uh, that's my wife right there. And I did it before we got married, but I knew I was proposing to her.
1: Wait, oh, you were afraid maybe she would dump you, or maybe she would say no, or... I thought, eh, she might not like this. No, that never... I, I never thought that. I never thought... I never th- was really worried that she wouldn't like it. I, I don't know. I didn't have those worries. My worry, and this is the thing about it, is that I think with, with, with tattoos... Um, it's, it's got to be something that, that means something to you, obviously, but it also has to be um, like who's putting it on you. Mm-hmm. And the, the, there's a lot of factors involved, like uh, because it becomes a permanent Absolutely. thing. Yeah. It's like I don't I don't want to be a peachy for somebody who I've never met before to like doodle on yeah. um, and then be stuck with that.
2: Uh, I always find myself becoming good friends with the tattoo artists. I think it's just, and then wind up wanting to stick with them for that reason because it's like, okay, I've built a bond with them, so I know they're not going to do me wrong.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and if it's not someone that you, you can build a bond with, they probably shouldn't be putting things on your arms <laughs> that are going <laughs> to.
2: Any thoughts of wanting to get another? I love how we we haven't even had a chance yet to talk about your yeah, CD. I'm doing the best I can to, like, to
1: avoid it. To burn up our time so yeah. that you never touch on anything that was on that coaster that you just showed me. But the coaster is awesome. I've got great notes on it. I don't even need to look at them
2: because, I'm, uh, A, higher truth. I love the timeless feel to that record. Uh, it, it feels like as if like there's a, a warmth to it. And uh, I think it's maybe just because there's some unique instrumentation that's going on on there. And, mm-hmm. and just the way that the production is. I just love the overall vibe of the record and uh, before we disappear every the first time i heard that song and uh-huh. i still listen to that song every time i listen to it it stops me in my tracks and i'm like it forces me to pay attention to what you are saying okay. which i i really enjoy but i don't know if it's that's
1: the goal i think you know <laughs> seriously and there's i take it seriously so when so you know the there's that moment of feeling like okay i believe this is this is finished the song is written yeah. and now the song is demoed and maybe I learned something from the demo um, and maybe I don't I don't know but but at the end of the day it the what makes me feel great is feeling hearing really s- someone say something like what you just said because that means that okay I'm not out of touch entirely with reality right. um, there might be a lot of people that don't agree with you sure. but at least I know that there's one person sitting here that, that has got the effect from the song that I was hoping would be the effect of the song. And, which means I'm not entirely uh, you know insane. The, I, I kind of, in a sense, know that when I feel it, when I hear it, someone else will feel it or hear it. And I, I think that that can be a problem with personal songs sometimes because what might move me, for example, when I'm playing and singing the song... Might move me because it's uh, I have a personal personal relationship to it. You know, I have imagery that's coming in, um, and while I'm while I'm playing it, while I'm singing it, and and it's you know, and I'm feeling like wow, this is really a, you know, this is an emotional song. This is great. Someone else might not get that because they don't have that relationship to it. Um, so the the point I think is that is that w- one human can kind of create that. And and create a song, or whatever it is—a a poem, a painting, whatever—that stirs something in them, and someone else. Essentially, will w- will be stirred by it too. Not not by my story, but it, but sort of it's somehow um, evoking images or feelings in them, and allowing them to kind of feel something in their story. And that and that if if you can't do that, then I think you're screwed. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> I never even
2: thought, I mean, I've never been a songwriter, and I never thought about the pressure of throwing out something there for the masses to hear, and if they don't connect with it, how that would feel internally for someone like yourself. I mean, it's got to be a weird feeling to think, okay, I hope they're going to connect with this song or this record, uh-huh. uh, but I don't know. And you don't know until it's out there for people to hear, and is it too late at that point, or is it not? I mean, you don't yeah. know until, you know what I mean?
1: Well, what I think is important for anybody, Buddies to be able to communicate, you know and get their feelings across and so if you're a songwriter for example, that's one way that you're doing it and uh, to know that that you are Mm -hmm. That you are communicating um, is is very satisfying because you never know, you know, I've I've been in that position before where I um, Felt like a, a song was working in a way that that I thought would be easily communicated and then uh, after a while realized that it it didn't really work that way it wasn't doing that and then and then wondering why where did i go wrong here and the that's the part i guess that's challenging about music
2: has there been a song that you could think of offhand that you were just kind of surprised that didn't connect with people in the way that you hoped
1: um most of those were songs if not all those were songs that didn't get released you know
2: you run it through the filter maybe a wife or a friend or someone and say "Ah, maybe that one should stay for like the b-sides collection
1: yeah or or it would actually i would react differently to it you know like every other time Mm -hmm. there it's a strange thing to do uh, especially you know doing it for a living where you have this other component of it too which is like there's a business side to it there's a
2: Um, How do you keep the expectations kind of out of your head, you know, from whether it be fans, whether it be from management, whether it be from labels or whoever it may be? Because, I mean, it it feels like when I hear your music, it doesn't feel like you're being... Tied down by anyone else's expectations, it's you and it's pure, and and that's what I always loved about whether it be Soundgarden, whether it be Audio Save, whether it be Chris Cornell uh, as as a solo entity. It, it always feels like you know there there is I, I it's a silly term, but people say that zero F's given. But I feel like that's kind of your vibe. Like you just do what you do, and it, is it hard for you to do that with other people, other factors breathing down your neck?
1: I I personally like sort of firmly believe that especially with commercial success, if that's your aim um, as, as a songwriter, I think you have to sort of get in that lane early on um, and stay there. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff I think you got to work out. And, and I never worked any of that out. I never, I never felt like... Um, and I saw this with a lot of bands. I always felt like um, if most of the people that came sort of up with me... And kind of came out of the world that, that I came out of and my band came out of if they seemed to try to write for commercial success it was it probably had less commercial appeal somehow like they and I always felt that way with me I felt like um, I can write ten songs and, and if something uh, if one of those ten songs somehow has a broader appeal it's an accident um, but it's gonna happen that accident will happen occasionally right. Um, and I'm not necessarily the, ever the best judge of it. I don't, I don't feel particularly in touch with, uh, the, the commercial side of music as a fan. And I never was, I was always someone, uh, even from as early as eight years old, I can remember. I was, uh, I was someone that sort of liked the deeper album tracks and didn't, yeah. and I liked the songs that I didn't hear on the radio. Um, the songs that my friends hadn't heard, maybe just I'm not sure why, um, There there was a different sort of approach to it. Possibly not so much as writing it, but maybe producing it Um, Maybe the the artist or the producer or the label felt like you know, that's not a That's not a song. We're gonna have a hit with so we'll put that as the ninth song on your album or something and maybe what went into making that song is something that appealed to me that that uh, that is is why I like music. That's different than than I suppose what makes commercial music. I'm not really sure. But the the, the short version of the answer is that I always felt like the I will do my best as a songwriter um, and an album recorder. If I don't consider any of that, and and I will have probably a better chance at having um, popular songs <laughs> if I don't do that you don't put that pressure on you yeah. yeah I get you um, it's not even pressure it's more of a it's not it's not pressure it's a it's a it's sort of it's a focus and I, I can't say that's an artistic focus it's more of a it's more of a manufacturing thing it's like uh, it, like if you imagine one of your what's one of your favorite classic bands since you were a little kid
2: um, for me probably uh, I would have to go with kiss Okay. I mean, it's the first, you know, Kiss, and then uh, Guns N' Roses, but Kiss really defined my love for rock music.
1: Now, imagine you're you're a little kid, and Kiss is coming out with a new album, and someone tells you, "Yeah, they were they were sitting around, and they were writing this album. They were trying to figure out what you would want." Mm-hmm. Now, if if for me, for example, say it was say it's a Pink Floyd record or something. If someone, if I believed that they were just sitting around scratching their heads trying to figure out what me this teenage kid in Seattle wanted to hear I would I would never want to listen to that record. Wow. I want I wanted I wanted to be invited into their world into their universe whatever it is. It didn't have anything to do with me. I was trying to escape me by listening to their music. Right. Um and I think someone that writes uh Commercial songs specifically for commercial success and to have big hits the ones that do it consistently. I mean, it's uh, Bravo It's an amazing thing that they're somehow able to do that because it's a mystery um, But it's a different thing Mm -hmm. Um, uh, It's it's like a it's like marketing. It's like a marketing genius
2: uh, one last question I know I gotta let you go Um, I I wanted to ask you because I'm I'm a huge Soundgarden fan as well and I always love when my favorite bands kind of go off and do their own thing outside of the band because I feel like it. maybe this is just me but it's like oh this will make them miss their band more (laughs) you know what I mean and and they maybe get more excited to get back in the practice space and recording do you find that like does the solo stuff um, give you an opportunity to get away and refresh yourself and then do you get excited to get back with the boys again or uh, how does that work in your world
1: Um, I think it's... uh, With what I do as a solo entity, I'm always kind of bouncing back and forth, and it always feels refreshing both ways all the time. Um, That's a good point. And I think that that's that's a good thing. I think... um, I don't know. I think that, that in a sense, yeah, it's sort of... you, You sort of go out into the world, and then you come back, and it's sort of two different worlds where you can kind of bring some aspects from one into the other and, and cross those back and forth all the time. Um, and I also think that there's something, uh, I think there's something healthy in the, in the trust of a, of a band, for example, allowing each other to do that and supporting each other when they do that. I think that that creates a, a really s- sort of strong core relationship thing that you bring back into your band and it, and it makes you sort of believe in you guys even more. Absolutely.
2: Chris, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, Higher Truth, great record. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you perform live at Benaroy Hall. Right on. Thank you. Ooh, techno. (laughs) The perfect one to play right after Soundgarden's Chris Cornell. Get your hands up, people! You've got mail.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The Meg's Cast Emails. Douches. Love it. Oh, dude,
2: I was talking about uh, 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 the, the song that I fell in love with.
3: <laughs> Don't forget about before that. Before
2: We Disappear, <laughs> he started the set with that song, too, man. Oh, that's so cool. Oh. <sighs> it was like, I'm so glad I got here on time. Yeah, that was, I was like, he's like, he made the list for you, man. He did. Granted, I did see it on the set list before we even started talking, but it was... <laughs> and we'll get video up in the near future of that interview. Vicky filmed it, so it, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Oh, All she right. even got to go. Sweet. Yeah! Yeah, it was fun seeing Vicky. She was having a good time. It's always fun seeing any of us outside of our workplace, because it's a little bit looser. Yeah. People are less stressed. Even doing an interview like that, it was such a casual, easy thing to do. That is great. Rev, in your hands, what do you want to do? Let's do emails. Emails. All right, we've got a couple. And actually, we got... Speaking of our our intros and our music stuff, uh Ziggy just chimed in with a brand new MiGscast messages intro. Law he goes, hey guys, long, long ago I did a Judas Priest bump for a certain Mr. Shelf. Today it's something new. I hope it doesn't blaspheme Toppy. Well it won't because he's not here. Yeah, screw Expect that guy. more soon <laughs> and enjoy. So here is uh the MiGs cast up the irons. That's what he's calling it.
0: Do we got it? I don't see it on this drive. Oh, son of a bitch. I must have forgot the point. I see V1, V2, and then just a bunch of. You know family- what? Next week. Okay. We'll save it for Top
2: Shelf.
3: <laughs> so How about that so for a tease? Top Shelf can appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Well, that would be rude of us to play it anyway. That's an appointment listening right there. That's right. That's a tease. <laughs> Tune in next week for our Ziggy intro. Uh, next week, I think we're back on. Oh, it's going to be a short one. I'm sorry. I just got. So many damn meetings, and I have no control over this right now. So uh, next week will be another short cash, but I believe after that we're back into the rhythm of things. Nice. That's hope. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, it kills me that I can't keep Tuesdays completely free. But sometimes I have no choice. Uh, next one. This one's subject: your favorite girl. It's from John, from Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Sweet. That's where Some, Cactus Jack is from? That's right. Mankind. Ah, <laughs> uh, there's our wrestling quota. There you go. Uh, he goes. Simple question for the four of you on the next MixCast, cast, or the three. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is the hottest? Ayla, the cam girl. Rachel Barley, the bikini barista. Or, and I'm sure you could put do the math. Red, the stripper.
3: Oh man, for me, I'd have to say Red because uh-huh. I just think her confidence and just, like just being in the room with her, her confidence is just insane. I haven't met Rachel. So I have no idea. You weren't here for when Rachel came in? I don't think I was. I feel like I you, thought were. He was, you were. You here. Maybe I wasn't. I've just forgot. <laughs> I swear he was here. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I must have been. The whole she came in regular here. clothes. Yeah. Maybe that's why I don't remember. Remember when we
2: went and played with the puppies?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah.
3: actual animals, yeah, 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 not yeah, yeah. her puppies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I do remember that, but I'm still going to have to say Red. Nick? Boy, this is a tough one.
2: I mean, we could do a round of F uh, F Mary and I mean, it feels like in this situation, yeah. Not that we need to, but
0: <laughs> um, for the way that I've uh, progressed in my life and matured, I'll go with Ayla the Cam Girl. Oh, you want to
2: matured, rock the accordion as your sure. Yeah.
0: Damn, I like uh, you know something that's a little bit more
3: like uh,
2: obtainable. Yes, yes. I feel like Toppy would hands down go with rachel oh yeah. totally yeah. yeah obsessed with her yeah. yeah
3: the way that he yeah he that, that's the only one that he just is like oh yeah i'm gonna go down to check out her coffee stand right. he's gonna make a trek down there he's invested in rachel
0: i'm trying to figure <laughs> he lives it, like five minutes from there and he still hasn't
3: gone i'm like come uh, on Toppy. it's not that it difficult he hasn't even said that he would go
0: and visit <laughs> i've driven anyone else. by the damn place more <laughs> times than he has and i live in seattle <laughs> Did You get a coffee. Talks a big game. I did not, but I looked. I tried to look through the window every time, but the shutters are always
2: closed. You ever get into an accident or close to getting into an accident because nah. you're trying to check out? I, <laughs> me either. Beacon. Never, never, at never. Hot, never, never, never at all. Not, especially not at that hot when <laughs> one on Meridian. <laughs> never. never. Um, man, I'm torn. It's like picking your favorite kid. Totally, yeah. <laughs> you your know, kid? I, I feel like uh, I'm gonna have to get into a devil's threesome with the Rev. I'm am picking red. Nice. nice. That a boy? I'm a fan of red as a person. I think she's a and she got me flowers. She did. Yeah, yes. I think that would
3: right. that, And you can even just be like, do the other girls if they got mad, you'd be like, she Look, got, me, she got flowers. me flowers. And
0: coming in without a bra, that was pretty hot. That was pretty awesome, <laughs> dude. I, I'm Actually, a fan. it was pretty cold, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it was
3: very very cold. I'm Glad it wasn't. Well clocked.
2: played. <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm torn though. That's a tough one. It depends on the day, but they're man. all
3: awesome. They've all been super fun. Not that I remember Rachel was on the podcast, but yes, <laughs> I know right? they were all great. The they were
2: all fun. <laughs> I was here for that. <laughs> all right. Uh, that is all of our emails.
0: It's the it's, 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 it's,
2: it's the it's, it's the Men's Cast. It's, it's the Men's
1: Cast. It's, it's the Men's cast. cast. Nick. Nice uh, Voicemails. <laughs> 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 all right.
2: Hopefully, we can get to them. Let's do at least one.
1: Hola, douches. It's Carmack. Oh, was along with Steve. A happy early
0: birthday. Thank you. And to you, Love too. i to make it out to the game, but I'll be going out that Saturday to uh, a drink.
1: celebrate my birthday, which is October 4th. I know that. Oh, Steve. Oh, nice. Anyways, nice. I'll be at the Tulane Casino, the Canuse Cabaret. Any douches uh, can't make it to the game, want to go there? Find me. Fine. Right, yeah, you know he'll will uh, be having a great time.
0: <laughs>
2: Happy uh, early birthday, Carter. Yeah, we look forward to your voicemails next week. Uh, next, uh, next voicemail. Yeah, we should probably not play this one.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? Yeah, just <laughs> just, just playing through all of them. Get rid of you it could, all yeah,
2: just put a bleep on it. All right. You know, there was a there's a guy who listens to our podcast who apparently hasn't been home. Weird. I got to call her. That his mom just for those that we bleeped it because out of respect. But, uh, ooh, that's weird, man. I'm yeah. gonna have to get that number and, and give her a ring and let her know Hopefully that it was just a road trip. I hope he's okay. I, I feel bad. I don't check the voicemails until the day of. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, why don't we do Facebook drama because yeah, we got to get out of here? Mm, wow, that was very awkward. I'll keep you posted. Hola. Yeah.
1: Right. Senores, senoritas.
2: Can we just shorten this? I I got like a minute. We got to do it. Sorry, (laughs) Sorry, I got to go to a meeting. (laughs) All right, playing the role. Facebook drama. Our chance to point out the stupidity that happens on Facebook. Sorry, boys. Uh, You know what? Only because of the name. Nick, you will play the role of Angie. I figured. Rev, you will be Cindy, and I will be Grace. Take it away, Angie. All right. Wow, you want to run around calling
0: me a whore, Cindy? I'm not the one who begged me for a pregnancy test last year.
3: Seriously? Delete this! I have so much fudging dirt on you, you don't even want to go there!
0: Like what? Tell me everything about your Planned Parenthood visits. Sure, your family would love to know.
3: Are we doing this right now? Okay fine, you stupid Beehatch. How about when you and Jason hooked up at your brother's 12th birthday party and I guarded the pantry door?
0: How about when you hid weed in your c*** to get it into
2: the prom? (laughs) Is this really necessary? You guys are my
0: friends! Oh, and Cindy, let's talk about your electric toothbrush and how friendly you are with it.
3: And you gave John his first noggin at your dad's house. (laughs) You wear
0: two bras to make your boobs look big.
3: Ugh, Girls, you need to stop.
2: This doesn't belong here. Hashtag damage control. And Angie puts the first four letters in control.
3: (laughs) And Cindy can't
0: spell hashtag
2: functional idiot.
3: And you flash your boobs to avoid paying at the toll booth.
2: Angie, stop upsetting Cindy. You know she has problems.
0: I don't care. You're her mother. You handle her problems. She only comes to me when she needs a pregnancy test or a ride to Planned Parenthood. Hashtag almost mama drama.
2: (laughs) Wow. I respect that they uh, self-censored themselves. Fudging. Fudging. That was nice. For the kids. And (laughs) B-hatch. And a noggin. Wow. All right. Hey, huge thanks to Chris Cornell for hanging out with us on the Mixcast. <laughs> um, I'm still a little thrown off by that voicemail. Yeah. I hope everything's okay. Wow. Uh, so we'll, we'll figure that out. But, hey, thank you guys for listening. For uh, Top Shelf, who refuses to work on Wednesdays, The Rev, Mono Nick, my name is Steve Miggs, We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being patient. And, oh, thank you to Jacob and Kirkland. He texted us and said he voted for us on the best of Western Washington. You guys are in first place over Luke Burpstank. Nice. For now. Burpstank. Keep it up. Keep voting. Let's, let's take down Burbank. Yeah. Hashtag beat Burbank. Titanic style. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Stay positive and suck it.